Welcome to Only Today, a Gathering Mana podcast, where Catholic moms can find practical tips, help, and advice that will equip them to live more joyfully in their vocations as mothers and wives. This series is called Walk With Me, where we invite that great cloud of witnesses, the saints, more deeply into our lives by studying them and learning how to imitate them in our ordinary, everyday mission as mothers. Welcome back to another Only Today podcast. We're going to talk today about something that is growing more relevant by the day, Um, the need to talk about what is going on in our society and the crisis in our church. Uh, It seems like there's a new headline about this crisis pretty much every day. And more expansively, we're going to talk about just the crisis of faith in general in America and how we can transmit our Catholic faith to our children. As Catholic parents, we are up against an enormous cultural challenge in this particular day, and our deepest concerns are our kids. How are we going to keep them Catholic? How are we going to hand on our faith to them in a world that is openly hostile to everything that they believe? Today, I'm going to share with you what I believe is the one thing needed left to transmit your faith in a real and lasting way to future generations. And that one thing is not taking them to church or making them get their sacraments. Now, before you write me nasty notes, hang on with me till the end, I promise. It will all make sense. So let's dig in. It's not taking them to church and it's not getting them their sacraments on time. It's not even praying together. All of those things are critical and vital. The Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith. All these things rest in the Eucharistic heart of Jesus, but even more is needed. We cannot pass our faith along until this one thing is the lifeblood of all our efforts. This one thing is dependence on God And it's something we need to cultivate in our lives in demonstrable ways that are practical. If we want the church to grow in our children's hearts and in the hearts of our children's children, we need to develop and communicate a very real and active dependence on God in our everyday life modeled for them to observe and imitate. Does that sound like foreign territory? If so, you're not alone. If we're being honest, most Catholics have traded authentic Catholic practice for normal and nominal religion. We take our kids to church and they say their prayers and they do their sacraments on time, but day to day? No, it's not really a part of most Catholics every day. In fact, if we observe most of our families in our flock, There isn't a ton of evidence that we're any different in any compelling way than anyone else. We've allowed culture and the tyranny of the urgent to dictate to us what our kids will do, what media they'll be involved in, what activities are most important, and what type of education they should receive. We no longer feel that those questions have really much to do with our faith at all. We have been deceived. We look just like the world, and it's no wonder our, our kids 
and the world at large don't feel bad about leaving their faith behind. As to dependence on God, I'm going to issue one of my famous bold statements. If Jesus isn't invading your life every day, if your faith isn't impacting every decision you make, it's time to reconsider how you approach it. Because a watered-down, Sunday-to-Sunday version of Catholicism is not the practice of Jesus, the disciples, the early church, or the saints down through history, and it cannot be ours either. A quick read of the New Testament reveals a gospel that is interior, demanding even, fulfilling, and joyful, and yet it's full of self-donation, self-discipline, and sacrifice. It's a gospel that lives on our skin, in our homes, in our kitchens, in the words that we speak, the expressions on our faces, and it is in these things that we either embrace it or reject it. Christians are feeling the squeeze. We are losing battles in the public arena that we didn't expect we would. We're feeling the aggression of the culture war creeping closer and closer. We are now the minority. This is no time for a safe and tidy practice of our faith. As to empirical data, the last two generations have seen a massive drop in identification with both Christianity and Catholicism among youth. The last five to ten years have brought a dramatic shift in hostility to Christianity, religious freedom, and an increased push by the culture to shut the mouths of those who would speak in defense of the weakest in our society and the family. And don't be fooled, it is increasing daily. I could rattle off statistics all day long about the decline of Western morality and faith, but I won't do that. Because our problem is not outside our door. It is right here within us. And there is very definitely something big and effective we can do to fix it. So take heart. In fact, I'm going to share 10 really simple and daily easy things that we can do to build up this dependence on God that I feel is so key to transmitting our faith. Because it is daily, guys. It is right here within us in our homes that we are either going to win or lose the battle for our own souls and those of our children. The world cannot tear your children away from their faith, but you can. You can set them up to leave their faith by giving them a watered-down version of it. Or you can keep listening and discover how to hand them a gospel-centered Catholicism that will stand the test of time and all the testing of this time. You alone can hand them something they cannot easily walk away from because it's throbbing in their souls like a beacon 24-7 guiding everything they do. You have the power to hand them this legacy. Or you can cast it aside because it's more comfortable to be normal. So how do we do this? How do we raise kids and keep them Catholic amidst this pressing distraction, this aggressive agenda pushing and increasing hostility? How do we cling to our faith when the crisis is in our own pews? when some of our own fathers have betrayed us. 
I believe there is one thing that will define Catholic families in the years to come. We're going to decrease in number, but we will be more faithful and fruitful. Because even amidst the crisis in our church, there is an unflinching joy that's gathering force and speed. Among faithful Catholic families, there is a song of hope that is rising. Even as the numbers testify to an inevitable shrinking and decreasing, the orthodoxy of the laity is increasing. Orthodoxy simply means that the faithful are drawing closer to a more authentic and historical, uh, a cleaner and uh, tighter practice of their faith, looking to the ancient patterns and practices that we've somehow cast off along the way, maybe not on purpose, but we're picking them up again and reviving them, dusting them off, and pushing closer to the heart of God like never before. There is one thing that will transmit our faith to our children. Our dependence on God every day in big ways and small and modeling that dependence for them to see and emulate. Taking them to Mass every Sunday and making sure they receive their sacraments is the duty of every Catholic parent, but it won't keep them Catholic. Helping them to discover the life of prayer, a personal relationship, and understanding the heart and character of God, and helping them discover their interior landscape, their talents, their passions, their vocation, their gifts, and their destiny. This will give us a better chance of our kids carrying on the work we are doing in their souls every day. But I don't experience any of that kind of stuff myself, say some parents, so how can I possibly transmit that to my kids? Then let this be the day that you took your head out of the sand and heard the call of God to come apart and be separate. Let this be the day that you shook off a mediocre practice of your faith and embraced prayer and scripture like never before, and that you understood with every fiber of your being that God wants to speak to you and have an intimate fellowship with you and your children. That begins today, if it hasn't already begun. Do you want your children to stay close to God in the sacraments? Then show them that they cannot live without Him. We must depend on God and we must show them what that looks like. So where do we start? As I mentioned a while back, I wrote an article detailing 10 ways that we can model dependence on God for our children. And I'm going to talk about that now and expand on it a little bit. These 10 little things are things that every parent can do, no matter your circumstance. And I hope that you'll see them as a sort of jumping off point and you'll keep treading into those beautiful and joyful waters even deeper. It all begins with humility, first off. Depending on God involves admitting that we don't have it all together. It starts with the idea that maybe God wants to be more involved in our daily lives. Maybe he wants a say. Maybe he deserves a say. And maybe all the tough things in my life would make a lot more sense if he were at the helm of the ship. What is humility? This little virtue seems to be the most mysterious and elusive one there is with many often contradicting definitions, depending on who you ask. As I've come to understand it, humility is more of a path and not something I check to see if I have. 
We can most easily learn humility by imitating Jesus and letting him worry about the state of our spiritual affairs in our hearts. Here are some practical ways to put yourself and your kiddos on the path today as you go about your work. So we have to start somewhere. In addition to frequent reception of the sacraments, we can make room for humility by depending on God in the following little ways. Number one, cry for help. At least once a day, every mom I know has this moment where they feel like the irritation is starting to rise quickly, that it's going to boil over into her words, in her facial expressions, and in the way that she's relating to her children. And if I'm being honest, those moments happen more than once a day for me. Instead of feeling defeated, cry out to God, out loud, when you're feeling this way, in front of your kids. Ask Him to Help me, Father, to be loving and patient right now. Or, Father, give me grace. Or, lend me your heart, blessed Mother. Let them hear you say it, whatever it is that you say. Let them see the fruits that come, even though they won't come right away. Humility is knowing you cannot do this His way without His help. Show them that you know that. Number two, apologize and share pain. You blow it sometimes, I blow it sometimes, our kids, they blow it a lot. It's just a fact of family life that we're going to get mad, going to lose our tempers, we may say ugly things, and we are definitely going to hurt each other. It may sound simple, but when that has happened, apologize. Get down on their level and hold their hands in yours and ask them to look at your eyes or your chin if they can't do it or it's uncomfortable for them. Model how to say sorry, and I promise you, they will do it too. If you feel like crying, go ahead. Show them that it's okay to be human, and that remorse often brings tears when it's genuine. How else will they recognize it? Don't you see, Mama, that everything you do, even blowing it, is a part of how we teach them to love God and others? Number three, ask them to pray for you and ask for their advice when appropriate. When there are areas where you continually struggle to display virtue, ask your children to pray for you. Ask them to ask Our Lady to give you more grace and for God to increase the qualities you need. To ask them to pray for you or to brainstorm with you about ways you could try to work on it confers on them a dignity and a sense of importance. They learn to go confidently to God because mommy thinks that he will hear them. That lesson, etched on their hearts early, will never leave them. Discern carefully with God about this step with each of your children, as each child's personality is different. This is not an invitation to lay your spiritual burdens on your your children's backs. So carefully ask for help in a way that is age appropriate and doesn't convert a sense of responsibility on them that isn't theirs. But let them help you. Let them pray for you. You need their prayers and they need yours. I'll give you an example from my own life. I struggle to play with my kids. I love to be with them. I love to read with them. I love to spend time with them and talk to them. I love to do all kinds of things with them, but I do not like to play. In fact, I really, really, really dislike play. 
and it has been a struggle. My entire seven years so far almost of motherhood to play and it is still a struggle every day. In fact, I sort of see it as a cross, but in my research and in talking to my children, I have realized how important this is for me to play with them. And it is a thing that I do out of true love for them and out of wanting to understand and to, to, to have a self-sacrificing spirit about me, to be generous with my time. And I know I've talked with several of you individually about this, you guys that struggle with this too. And it is such a continual struggle for me, but it's a struggle that I have asked my children to pray for me about. And I ask my eldest daughter to pray constantly that mommy will have um, a playful spirit and that I will want to play. And she's able to see the fruit of her prayers. And that's really, really rewarding because things have been a lot better with us when I've actually started asking her to help me in this way and help praying for me. So that's just one little example of an appropriate way that you can ask for help and ask for prayer. Number four, let them see you engaged in time with God and share why you need it. Are you noticing that a lot of this has to do with talking to your kids, uh, being open and honest and vulnerable with them? Um, That's part of this. That's part of depending on God is learning to be vulnerable with the people in your family. So in those moments, sometimes rare, when everyone is playing happily and they're occupied, pull out your rosary, your Bible, or your journal, and, and pray in plain sight. They'll want to know what you're doing as they come to you for assistance or for hugs. Practice going from Jesus in prayer to Jesus in your child lovingly. Explain that prayer and scripture reading is how you get more energy to be the mommy that you need to be. It won't be long before they're dragging out their little Jesus storybooks and praying alongside you. In addition to this, it is vital that you understand that within your spiritual DNA is a very real and basic need to commune with God. It has been inside of you from the moment of your conception. Not only is this wired in you as a desire, it's something you're capable of and something we need to seek out. There is no holiness without mental prayer time that's set aside to commune with God and to study his word. Now there are seasons of motherhood where this time is almost non-existent in terms of availability. And it is in these times that we lean heavily on the practice of the presence of God and the recollection practices that St. Teresa of Avila teaches us about. But we must make a concerted effort to enter in, even if it's just for a few minutes, to his presence, regardless of what our day looks like every day. Gathering Mana exists in order to help you with this in whatever season you are in. And our courses and our resources are designed to distill and crystallize this practice for every season of motherhood. So do check them out and see if some might be of great use to you in your journey. Don't let another day go by without learning to pray in his presence. It will change the course of your life and the life of your children forever. From prayer, everything flows. Your ability to be cheerful, to deal with challenges, to be kind, to see people as God sees them, to find joy in menial tasks, to handle difficult people, and on and on. Without prayer, you are operating under capacity. Number five, read about the saints with them. 
choose to read stories about the saints and the great heroes of the faith with them out loud, especially the ones who have helped you personally or whom you feel close to. Making this a priority and talking about our heroes reminds children that they can be heroes too. In God's economy, heroic virtue is not a privilege of the saintly. It is the call on every one of our lives, including our children. Make a special effort to read the stories of the saints who are younger or close in age to your children, if that applies. Call on the saints often to help you, again, out loud with day-to-day things. And they have a unique interest in, like St. Anthony for lost articles and the guardian angels for protection, their personal patron saints, and so on and so on. Bring the saints into your homes as dear friends, and that they are, waiting to help you and to pray for you. It's why they're there, surrounding us as a great cloud of witnesses. Rely on their help and do it out loud in front of your kids. Memorize scripture together, number six. If Jesus memorized scripture, quoting it in prayer and in his rebuttal to the lies of the enemy, we don't need to be further prompted in that. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, says the psalmist. Jesus depended on the spoken word of God to help him do the will of God, and we need it too. I credit my early knowledge of scripture to my dear aunt, who made us listen to scripture memory songs every day during those lazy summers we spent with her while our parents were working. I am still singing those songs today. And those songs placed a love for God's word and a true dependence on it deep in my soul. Those sweet little songs laid the foundation for my studies in college, for my studies all throughout my adult life, And those songs are a very real part of the heritage of this ministry. I love scripture with my life because it has changed my life. It has become a part of me. This is due largely to my early and repeated exposure to it. Scripture is alive. Scripture will change your heart. Memorize it and do it with your kids. Number seven, resolve arguments with your spouse in front of them. Experts usually advise the opposite of this, and I am not an expert, but hear me out. I'm not suggesting that you have screaming fights in front of your children, but that you use inevitable arguments with your spouse as teaching moments to model respectful tones in the middle of disagreements. Humility is caring and listening deeply to another person's perspective while standing your ground if necessary. Humility is seeking the good of the other person. Remember that your kids are learning how to be married from you. Don't talk to your spouse in a way you wouldn't want your child's future spouse talking to them. If you are unable to be respectful, then maybe you're not quite ready for this step. But working towards this goal will teach them how to disagree gracefully. They will not learn humility without great difficulty, unless it is modeled for them at home. Ask them, number eight, how can I pray for you? Our kids need to know that there are three people who live to make intercession for them. We know that Jesus and his mother are in constant prayer for the church, and that's two. But the third person they need to depend on for prayers is their mama. 
Ask them what they need prayer for and really listen to the answer. Watch and listen to them to see what is important to them, to see which virtues come a little more naturally and which others you think will have to kind of be cultivated a little bit. And begin to pray about all of that and all of those things. Above all, watch your children. Watch them. Watch and be in a constant dialogue with God about them and about everything that concerns them. He will guide you and he will protect them if you pray for them. Number nine, play with them. This is kind of a revisiting of the topic before. But the ultimate test of humility for me with blinking lights is to put aside the chores, the to-do lists, and everything else that presses and to just play. Get down on their level and give that generous gift of uninterrupted attention. Nothing communicates love to them more than this. And so it has to be a part to us as well, important to us as well. Playing with your kids opens their hearts and it gives you a window into their needs, their feelings, and their interior life. If you struggle with this, like I do, I recommend the book Playful Parenting to motivate, enlighten, and inspire you towards being more play-centered with your kids. Set a goal to dedicate 5, 10, or maybe even 30 minutes of time to just play with them without distraction. Start small. It does get easier the more you do it. Something is better than nothing, so just do anything. Make that little sacrifice and God will meet you in the middle and reward you with so much grace. I promise. Try it and see. Finally, number 10. Say yes as much as you can to Jesus, to their requests for time with you, and to self-donating love. In my life, some of my greatest spiritual battles have been over the word yes. Will I say yes to God in this matter or that matter? Will I trust him? Will I surrender my agenda or my way in this area of my marriage? Will I put aside what I want to do to give God what he needs from me? Will I make time for my kids right now instead of doing whatever I feel is pressing, whatever I want or need to do? Yes or no? I think almost everything in our lives comes down to the ease with which fiat, Mary's yes, ushers forth from our souls in our walks with God. This is applicable in motherhood too. As, as Bishop Robert Barron says, say yes to the path of love as much as you can, and slowly you will become the person fit to live in heaven. So take these 10 little steps and bring them close to your heart and ponder them as Our Lady did in your heart. Choose a couple to really work on this week and a couple more next week. Let today be the day that you let yourself learn to depend on God little by little and more and more. And let today be the beginning of a new and exciting change in the trajectory of your family. You can hand your children a faith that is alive and active in their hearts. You can inoculate them against the backlash by creating an atmosphere in your home where God is so real and so present that any suggestion to the contrary would seem ludicrous to them and easily recognized as enemy propaganda. I want my kids to have a Moses kind of faith where they come to him regularly, wrestle with their struggles, even argue with him, experience him as a friend, sense his presence, 
refusing to go anywhere without it and until they've heard from him. Try telling Moses that his faith was irrelevant and outdated. That's just silly to someone who's seen real bushes burn and clouds of glory following them. Our lives can be the same. Our burning bushes and clouds of glory are no less present than they were in the desert with the Israelites. They are encompassed in the person of the Holy Spirit, who will set us ablaze and overwhelm us with His glory in all of our own deserts and journeys as we walk through, if only we'll seek it. Inside of us is an interior journey that completes and includes all of these deserts and clouds of glory and burning bushes and freedom from slavery and altars of sacrifice and repentance. The journey of Israel repeats itself in all of us. And God wants to show off in your life just like he did then. It all starts today with your little yes your lingering look at the crucifix in your living room, your deep breath and decision to bite your tongue, that forced cheerfulness that feels so hard but then becomes easier. This is the gospel. This is the future of the world. Our children will imitate us. What are we giving them? May God bless you and keep you this week. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you success in all your efforts in your home and in your workplace. Be all his because he is ready to be all yours. We'll see you next time.